Hello, and you are back in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. This is our 43rd episode, and today we'll be discussing fat acceptance becoming even more of a death cult and AI facing legal trouble. So let's get into the first topic. Now, I've discussed um, a lot about fitness and health and nutrition, and a lot of that comes with, I guess, going against the the fat acceptance movement, the health at every size movement, the body positive movement, whatever you um, know it as or want to call it. It's basically a death call at this point. It's people who want to engage with the unhealthy lifestyle habits of being highly sedentary and addicted to ultra-processed uh, food from the grocery store and, uh, you know, from fast food restaurants, you know, the drive-thru, you know, your Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, KFC, Jack in the Box, um, Arby's, all that garbage, uh, Taco Bell as well, all, all that garbage that people love to gorge themselves on, make long lines through the drive-thru, it's ingrained in American culture to eat, um, garbage food, and if you're even, you know, from the grocery store, um, you know, all the, uh, you know, frozen pizzas and, uh, you know, pastas and, uh, you know, minute, minute rice and all these things that you can just chuck in the microwave, shovel down your face, and it's basically no better than fast food. And even if you're doing stuff from scratch, you can make an uh, extremely unhealthy stuff uh, from scratch, uh, especially considering how broken the food supply is with the factory farming of, you know, animals and plants uh, and these sorts of things. Uh, makes, you know, even if you're doing a lot of stuff from scratch, unless you're being really careful about how you're sourcing things, which a lot of people aren't because they, they don't have the knowledge or um, knowingly kept in the dark by the USDA, by the the media, the, the food pyramid, all these sorts of things that conspire to make the average person basically completely illiterate on the food supply. Even if you're cooking a lot of stuff from scratch, you're sourcing things poorly and you're making stuff that is genuinely unhealthy. Like, you know, you can deep fry your own chicken at home it's not going to be healthier than KFC. In fact, it could be even worse, right? But that's um, all one thing. I could rant on and on about um, how (laughs) poor the American food supply is, but we're talking about the movement uh, more that pushes uh, food addiction onto people so these food companies can make billions of dollars. A lot of what acceptance people will say, one of the big arguments is that weight loss is a multi-billion dollar industry and the only reason people push fitness is to make money. Well, I could say the same thing about fast food, like the amount of money that uh, fast food makes and combine that with the you know the ready-to-made meals, all the, the poor choices from the grocery store that will fatten you. That's a lot more than the fitness industry, let me tell you that. So, uh, so that, that's, that's ridiculous. But there was this TikTok going around of this woman's, um, one woman says, you know, Hey, I decided to start losing weight because I couldn't wipe my own ass anymore. That's when I knew I needed to make a change. And then another woman in response to that says, well, it's ableist to have the expectation of being able to wipe your own ass. Right. Or if you can't, or, or to associate, um, becoming so fat that your arms can't reach your behind to properly, you know, wipe and clean yourself, which again, excrement, um, pooping is part of a normal human function. And if you can't keep yourself clean after doing that, that's indicative of a huge problem. And let me tell you from personal experience, when you get to the point where you cannot clean your own butt, where you cannot wipe yourself, you are in an extreme state of physical deterioration. And a lot of other things are going to go um, once you hit that point. So you are going to become bet bound. You are going to become completely um, physically um, disabled. 
uh, and, and basically useless physically, which I, I don't you know say like you're useless as a person, but physically you can't function. Like you can't move, you can't walk, you can't do these sorts of things, and being not being able to efficiently wipe yourself is indicative of that. And saying like, oh, well, you can just do some stretches or you can just do this. Um, that that is not uh, a proper thing to say. And if the point is like you have to do like yoga stretches or or you know some sort of technique in order to be able to engage in this basic um, hygienic human function. That's ridiculous, right? If you're doing, you know, yoga or, you know, something like that um, to help with weightlifting or just for general health, that's all well and good. I, I do that. I encourage that. But if you're doing it just to basically be able to function as a human, unless you've been in some sort of severe accident and you're doing corrective physical therapy, ridiculous. But this is the the uh, thing where you have this movement, the fan acceptance movement, that has basically built itself around justifying and enabling people's food addictions, their bad habits. You know, I want to be able to sit on the couch and shovel garbage into my face all day instead of looking in the mirror saying I've made poor life choices and I want to go on the road of engaging with healthy lifestyle habits knowing that it's going to be a hard, difficult thing to do. But at the end of it, I get health right and people will say well nobody owes you health like you don't owe me healthy but don't you owe it to yourself to be healthy don't you owe it to your family to the people that you love to be the healthiest version of yourself so you'll be around as long as possible and you won't be a burden to your family members because if you become bed bound or physically disabled and you have people that care about you uh then taking care of you in the long term becomes their problem and you don't want to put that onto other people so to care about your health to be um aware no that to be aware that you can do things for your health engage with healthy lifestyle habits and you will be healthier right that's the main thing it's not oh i want to try and lose weight or i want to get this body so i want to be as healthy as possible that's the mindset you ought to be in and then you want to engage with as many healthy lifestyle habits um as you can and you build them up one by one so that way um, you build one, it's like, you know, I'm just going to walk X amount of steps a day, and then I'm going to make sure I drink X amount of water per day, and then I'm going to start cooking all my meals for myself, and I'm going to make sure I, I'm only eating food that's uh, sourced in a decent way. Or, you know, And you, you start with these things. You don't go from zero to 100 instantly. You, you, you slowly build this up until it's your lifestyle, and you can't see yourself living any other way, and you're living a healthy lifestyle, and then health comes with that naturally so if you are let's say 350 pounds and you should be 150 and you start engaging in healthy lifestyle habits you are going to hit that 150 pounds maybe you know 10 20 extra pounds of loose skin you know that that's all okay all well and good but that doesn't happen where like oh i have this very specific goal in mind to lose weight it's i want to be healthy you engage with healthy lifestyle habits and then losing fat kind of happens as a result of that, and that's where a lot of you know fitness influencers will sort of lose you. And I, I can agree. There's a lot of diet culture where it's about like you know losing X amount of weight in X amount of weeks so you can fit in a bikini or you can fit in that dress or you can look good um, for this you know social event that's coming up, rather than um, building a healthy lifestyle. And of course, that's you know to get engagement, to get clicks, to get um, sales for this you know fitness program or plan or, or diet pill or, or supplement or whatever it is. So there definitely is a lot of scummy, um, consumeristic, uh, you know, 
influence in the fitness industry and the health industry and all these sorts of things. And that's not what I'm advocating for. What I'm advocating for is for people to live healthy lifestyles and the fat acceptance movement lies in the face of that. And it will do that to any extreme, man. <clears throat> They'll do that to the point where saying, well, wipe, being able to wipe your own ass is ableist, right? Being able to function as a human um, without having the burden of, you know, two, three, four hundred extra pounds of fat saying like that should be the expectation as to, you know, not have that to not say that's a result of having glutton yourself. And this is because you have this set point where, where you're just meant to be 400 pounds or 500 pounds or whatever weight it is. And you can't do anything to possibly um, be human sized uh, it is ridiculous and, and it's self-defeating and it's a complete death cult if you are involved in the fat acceptance movement, uh, body positive movement. I'm not saying fat acceptance movement to say that um, if you're morbidly obese, instead of saying, hey, I you know, got myself into the situation or regardless, I, I'm in this situation, I can get out of it. Instead of saying, well, this is because, you know, society is evil and bigoted, and if we just change society, then all my problems would go away. They're not going to. Uh, you still have too much visceral fat. You're still, ex- you still have no, ins- in- no insulin sensitivity. You still have the weight of gravity pulling you down far more than it should, and that's going to affect your joints. It's going to affect uh, your skin. It's going to affect... Like, 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 say your organs. So many people who are morbidly obese have non, uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because they're consuming so much fructose that their liver has to process that is damaging their liver. And you have all this fat in general that's hormonally active, that's uh, disrupting your endocrine system, and all the other, you know, all these foods that have heavy metals and toxins, and you know, you're not hydrating properly, or sleeping properly, or doing all these other things that allow your body to purge the toxins that you're exposed to you're not doing any of that so you have all these toxins that are stewing inside of you along with all the excess adipose tissue and it's degrading your health um you know for some people it's very slowly it'll take a couple of decades to really hit that wall of poor health and then it's very fast um decline other people it happens but you know if you are super morbidly obese you aren't really making it to age 50 and if you do make it past age 50 you are going to basically be in and out of the doctor's office uh in and out of the hospital that's what that's what your life is and, and you basically sense yourself to that and it's a very unfortunate thing it's something i want to um not uh, encourage at all but that was a really long rant a 10 minute rant on one topic basically i think i've never done that if you suck with me uh please hit like you know, subscribe, leave a comment, and we're moving on to the next topic. Last topic is AI is facing legal trouble. So we've got this article from Cointelegraph is that the New York Times is taking on OpenAI and Microsoft in a landmark legal battle, which accuses the company of copyright infringement while training AI models. So these AI models like OpenAI's ChatGPT is the biggest one. The way they generate all the responses is that they get all this information from the internet. So uh, you'll have you know all these articles, you know stuff from search engines, and that information will be fed to the AI, and the AI will be able to generate responses based off of that. That's how these um, AI models work. It's um, deep learning. It's machine learning, where you're basically giving the AI data sets and it's generating new data based off of those data sets. And the data sets is being, you know, New York Times articles. And New York Times is saying, well, if the AI is making stuff based off of um, work from us, then it's copyright infringement, even if it's something newly generated. And that's been the argument, especially with art. Uh, You know, you have stuff like Dolly will pull, you know, from 
Google images and they'll be and it'll be using um, stuff that is technically copyrighted or stuff from other artists and saying, well, this is a, you know, a, a copyright infringement conundrum, an IP conundrum. So you'll have a lot of legal precedents set based on this uh, court case, New York Times versus OpenAI and Microsoft. So it's going to be a very interesting thing to see. So this legal battle with AI is coming. So there is going to be laws made. There is going to be um, legal documents drafted and decisions made about um, AI saying, you know, what is legitimate use of AI? What is legal use of AI? What, you know, is, is stuff from AI? Can it be made intellectual property? Can it be copyrighted? And this is going to be, uh, it's going to, it's going to say determine a lot, but I, I do think a lot of it is going to be a bit of a psyop where the state is going to try and make the um, use of AI seem like extremely verboten. Um, but, you know, that's me being <laughs> a bit of a skeptic there. But it's something to follow because AI uh, is a tool to be used. Um, and you can use that tool for great good. You can use that tool for great evil. You can use that tool to do mundane work. It's just who is using the tool and what the uh, intentions are for, right? You can use a hoe to till a field. You can also use it to whack someone on the back of the head and uh, bury them in that field, right? So it's really how you choose to use the tool rather than the tool itself that's going to be indicative of the effect it has on the um, other individuals and society by extension and that's what i want to keep you keep in mind but the state is going to come in and say well you know people can only use ai in a way that's negative so it is copyright infringement 100 percent of the time it is inf infringing on intellectual property 100 percent of the time and that's not this isn't necessarily how people are using ai like i, I use ai to copy edit my reviews which you can read on velvet room publishing they're all copy edited by ChatGPT, where i generate the review i type it out and then ChatGPT copies edit copy edits it but the argument here is saying that chat gpt's ability to copy edit is only given to it by taking from you know all these articles which are copyright material and that function inherently is copyright infringement like the, the ai itself is copyright infringement if i get it right but this is a whole you know thing that's going to be developed a lot of people are going to put time into it there's you know ai ethics and like like i said there's going to be all these legal documents and laws drafted over ai in the coming months in the coming years as it gets a more of a foothold in the culture because it's here to stay and the question isn't whether um you know what to do about ai coming it's how are we going to deal and regulate with ai and i do think with that i am going to leave it there Hope you enjoyed this one. I will see you on Thursday for the 44th episode of this podcast, and we're going into the outro now. Thank you for being in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, whether you're listening on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, or Substack, and be sure to subscribe to my Substack, velvetroompublishing.substack.com, to keep up with Machine to Man and all my other projects.